welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Everybody. This is Evelyn Hershkowitz, Reader Services Librarian. I'm here at Turn the Page, Syasa Public Library's podcast, and I'm here with two wonderful authors, Christine Platt and Catherine Wigington Green. Thank you guys so much for joining me. They have written a book together called Rebecca, Not Becky. Wonderful story, wonderful book. I recommend it to everybody. We do have a print copy here in the library, so if you're interested, just Give us a holler and we'll put you on hold for it. So thank you, Christine and Catherine, for joining me. First of all, I wanted, if you would just tell everybody what Rebecca Not Becky is about. Sure. Um, Well, Rebecca Not Becky is a dual narrative um, that I wrote with my dear friend, Catherine Whittington Green. Um, We are both anti-racist educators and practitioners and had just really been seeing a lot of... um, this sort of discourse around, um, you know, race and racism um, during George Floyd and post George Floyd. And so decided to write a book that took a different approach using fiction sort of as an educational and and teaching tool. And so through Rebecca Not Becky in this book, you'll meet um, my character, DeAndrea Whitman, who is a black woman who moves to a uh, upper crust suburb in uh, the fictional town of Rolling Hills, although Catherine and I have heard from many readers that this is not a fictional town, it is actually their town. (laughs) Uh, But it's a fictional town called Rolling Hills and uh, DeAndre is moving uh, into this predominantly white um, suburb and she meets Rebecca and I will let Catherine tell Rebecca's side of the story. And Rebecca is um, a white woman who is living in this um, community. She's been there for a while. We enter Rolling Hills and we start this story three years post a George Floyd-like event. So Rebecca, like many across the country, many white people across the country, um, was awakened by uh, by this uh, this tragic event that happened um, and decided she really wanted to do better. And so she... Uh, bought all the books on the anti-racist syllabus that went viral. She um, tried to talk with her children about race. She started a parent diversity committee at her school. And um, she's organized lots of multicultural festivals and and things like that. And um, she realizes, though, that they still don't really quite have a lot of diversity in their lives. Um, and this bothers her. And she's confronted with it when her children challenge her on this. And uh, when she finds out that DeAndre Whitman is moving to her town, she is beside herself because she thinks, well, now this might be a chance to put some of this, all this to work with somebody. And, um, and so through that, we get to see what happens when someone really engages in kind of the performance of being an ally and wanting diversity so badly, but not really doing a lot of the inner work necessary to truly be, um, you know, an ally and someone who shows up authentically um, because, you know, she sees DeAndre as someone who can fulfill her need to feel good about herself. Um, and that's where the novel really begins. And we start to to help that kind of un, unravel and, and evolve. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just such a great story. Everybody should read it. Absolutely. How did you guys get together to write this book? Yeah, sure. So um, 
many years ago, I worked as a managing director of the Anti-Racist Research and Policy Center at American University. And uh, in 2019, was it 2019, 2018, actually, oh my goodness, we were having a uh, an anti-racist book festival that actually the nation's first anti-racist book festival. Um, and I invited um, Catherine to to film, to show and film her uh, documentary, I Am Not Racist, Am I? Right? To show the film <laughs> of the documentary, I Am Not Racist, Am I? Um, so we showed that at the uh, Anti-Racist Book Festival. And, you know, that was my first sort of introduction um, to Catherine, was excited to know that she lived here in D.C. Um, and that was sort of the beginning of our work together. We've been colleagues together um, for many years, have done many anti-racist workshops together, um, hosted conversations and talks. And so uh, when the opportunity came along um, to to write this, you know, write this book, um, she is the, the first person I thought about collaborating um, with it on. And so, you know, together, we really created this this dual narrative that that we hoped could really again be an educational teaching tool, but also entertaining, <laughs> right? We wanted people to see themselves, and um, one of the reasons that you know I wanted to work with Catherine is is not just like I just you know picked a random white woman out the air. Um, you know, she is someone whose work I have admired for a very long time, and is very well respected as an ally. Uh, in this work, not that she has deemed herself an ally, the communities in which she served, um, we have long since considered her an ally. And so I knew she would be the perfect partner for this book. And then also because of her background in facilitating um, difficult dialogue around race. I don't know, Catherine, maybe um, talk a little bit about the film. I'm not anti-racist. I'm, I'm not racist, am I? Because I think that also sort of sets the framework for what we were, um, you know, trying to do with this novel. Thanks. The, so the documentary was I'm Not Racist, Am I? And we followed a group of teenagers from New York City through a year-long exploration of race and racism. And we filmed them going through a series of workshops. Um, and then we filmed them when they went home and tried to process and share what they were learning with their families and um, among one another. And we've taken the film on the road for the past 10 years, where we show it in all different kinds of communities in every region of the United States and abroad. Um, and we never let anyone watch the movie unless they come together in community to talk about it. And we really just help them, um, you know, talk about what issues rise to the surface after they watch the film and get kind of stirred up a little bit. And so I've had that experience for the past decade. Um, and it really informed what we were doing with this, which was to say, what does it mean when we all try and come together and have these conversations and people have their very subjective experiences with the content and with the subject matter and their own backgrounds um, of understanding and of race and racism. And, and so we wanted to include that in the book as well. Of like, how are we talking about this with each other? And then hopefully the book will get people talking about it. We want people to read the book, but we want them to also get other people they know to read the book so they can talk about it with each other. Now your film, when you bring people together, is it a diverse group or are they segregated? Uh, well, it depends. Actually, it depends on what the groups want to do. Sometimes we'll, we always show it together, everyone, and it's often very um, mixed demographics, um, age, race, all sorts of things. Um, 
And then we uh, sometimes will have big group discussions and sometimes we break people up into what we call affinity groups, which are sort of single identity groups um, to process and then come back together. We do all sorts of different ways. Wow, that sounds fascinating. Can you find that film anywhere else or it has to be shown by you guys? Um, we're going to start making it available in a different way soon. So people can go to my website. Um, okay. Hintongreen.com and find it. <laughs> That's fabulous. Thank you. So you guys have known each other for a while. Is this mm-hmm. both of your first novels? Mine. No. <laughs> no? Okay. But it is my first co-authored uh, okay. novel. So that is my, it is my first in that regard. Um, but no, I think, um, you know, working on this novel with her, uh, even though I've written books, you know, many other books before, um, you know, it presented its own um, unique experiences and challenges and lessons learned. And so it was it was a wonderful experience. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of us. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. I've also um, interviewed another duo, um, Marie Benedict and Victoria Christopher Murray. Yeah. And yeah. they also they're, you know, they also very similar. And but yeah. they do they go back in time and do historical fiction, women that you might not not know about. And I've loved yes. they have two books together and I, I've loved both of their books also. So I think this is a great way to communicate <laughs> and to get it out there in the world yeah. from different Victoria, perspectives. Victoria's great. Um, yeah. you know, she is someone who I actually, you know, spoke with about like what can Catherine and I expect on the road what you know and um yeah you know she's the one who who shared with me that so many people are so interested in interracial friendship dynamics right because I you know it's always it's one of the reasons why I always say like this is my friend every everyone is like well was this hard and was this and it's like yeah it was hard to I mean writing a novel is just hard right Right. regardless Um, of who you're writing with (laughs) yeah regardless of who you're writing it with but I do think when you're writing it with a friend right like there are the the challenges you can overcome them because your friendship comes first um another of uh dear friends of ours are uh Jason Reynolds and Brendan Kiley um, and we also spoke with them, you know, like, what was your experience like writing, writing All American Boys? And what did you experience? And, you know, what, what were these talks like on the road, right? And so, yeah, there are um, other uh, real life <laughs> uh, black and white friendship dynamics and authors who, you know, have, have done this work. And they, they've definitely been um, role models for us. And, and we very much appreciate right. um, the support that they've given us. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's great that these things are out there. It really is. It's fabulous. So when writing the book, you wrote DeAndrea and you wrote Rebecca, you totally separate. But mm-hmm. did you how did you come together? Did you review each other's <laughs> chapters? Like yeah, what was the did, process like? Yeah, we did a lot of outlining. Um, So we would do an outline like here's what's going to happen. I mean, I mean, hours of this, right? Here's what's going to happen in each chapter. This is the plot. This is where the women are going to come together and have, you know, interactions with one another. Um, and we'd map it out. And then we'd go into our kind of respective writing corners. For me, it's like this hole in my basement, basically. <laughs> um, and then um, we'd write a few chapters each and then come together and we would read and share with each other what we did. And it was funny because sometimes we come together and realize, well, what we said was going to happen in the outline isn't what happened because we just started to get to know our characters. It almost felt as if, for me at least, it it became like a documentary film, which was what my experience was, was 
previously. And I was so worried about making something up. Like, do I really have the imagination to be able to do this? But then these characters just became their own people that it was almost as if I was just following them along and what was happening. <laughs> and so sometimes what we said they were going to do wasn't quite right. And we'd come together and realize like, oh, that, oh yeah, we changed, like I changed that. <laughs> and then we'd have to sort of negotiate yeah. that and then do the outline again. Um, and then we'd find that our dialogue didn't quite work. Like maybe how I was voicing DeAndrea um, wasn't quite right and vice versa. Um, I was so worried, um, not worried, but I was I was mindful of and aware just from my, I was in journalism school. And I remember this big conversation we had once about like a black professor was saying, you know, white people should really be careful when writing in black, like when quoting black um, interview subjects, because we don't want to use dialect or think that we, you know, use our own interpretation of how people are talking. And so I was mindful of that with this of like, I don't want to do that. And so then I would make DeAndrea sound not like a real person at all. <laughs> like speaking the queen's english you know um and so christine helped me with that and we would do and then vice versa with like oh i don't know that rebecca would really talk like that um and so that was the time where we would write together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. did you guys have to do research like for the town is there really are is there really a place like this apparently there are many places like this wow. <laughs> yeah. we're hearing from readers yeah um, yeah Catherine, go ahead i mean i've certainly have i had in my mind's eye you know, a specific place that I had visited through, you know, just ha have visited, um, but have been to enough of them where it really was a composite of kind of suburban enclaves like this, where there's a cute little town center and and people don't have to go all the way back into the city to get their shopping done and to to congregate with, with one another. And that's what we wanted is that, yes, it's close to a big city, but it is far enough removed that they can almost operate on a daily basis without ever leaving their community which yeah, is what Little Hills is yeah and I think we all have friends that live in some semblance of communities like this and so definitely um drew on their experiences I know I did a lot for um DeAndrea's characters I do have um friends who are the only black family or or, or among you know one or two other black families within their communities and sort of talked about some of the challenges they face, the things that they joke about with friends, right, that they would never, of course, say in the company of other people and, you know, really trust um, and appreciate, um, you know, Amistad for giving us the space to be honest and authentic with our with our characters and their stories, because, uh, you know, that is that is also where the work is, right, and the teaching and learning is as well. Yeah, I love how the young people come together like that and you know the the two kindergarteners and how that really makes the mothers come together because the kids aren't unless they're taught ra mm -hmm. racism they're they they don't see it i mean they're just you're just people and if you mm -hmm. have common interests and that's what these lovely young girls did and brought the mothers together and i think that's so beautiful thank you yeah, yeah. I think the opportunity wonderful. too for for people who are thinking about rearing children and and noticing what you notice, which is these kids are, yeah, they just they wore the same outfit on the first day of school, and from there a beautiful friendship began. Yeah. <laughs> they like to do all the same <laughs> things, and they're buddies. And um, what happens though is then when we don't have explicit conversations with our children about these things, developmentally appropriate along the way, then they do implicitly start to learn what we've all learned by the time we get to our 
our age, which is that there are these things that are separating us. And we start to believe that that, that that's the way it's supposed to be, or that's the way it's always been. And we forget that we were also like Isabella and Nina, the two little girls mm -hmm. in the book. Um, but we have to really counteract it because there's so many things around us that make it easier. The path of least resistance is to just let this all soak in if we don't talk about it and don't engage in these types of conversations and read these kinds of books. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I we're in a community here that is very diverse right now. Um, my kids, when they went to school, my kids who are 29 and 26 do not see color at all. There is zero judgment. They It doesn't matter to them at all. And I just wish more people were like that. It, it's just, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's interesting because the the notion of I don't see color, I understand the the sentiment behind that, which is to say, I don't place value on someone because of the color of their skin or their mm -hmm. racial background or their religion or things like that. Um, but we also want to say, we don't want to not see someone's race Okay. We don't want to only see their race or assign value to different races, but we want to really see people fully, right? Rebecca Rebecca starts off the novel by seeing DeAndre only as a Black woman in the way that she serves this need that Rebecca has to prove she's a good ally or that she has diversity in her life. Rebecca wants her curated life, this perfect you know, life that she's come into, and then she realizes, oh, it doesn't look the way I want it to. And so then she wants to kind of she wants to find a black friend to to fulfill some need there, which isn't seeing DeAndre as human. So it's not that she wants to um, be colorblind, but we mm -hmm. also don't want to be color obsessed. And so we want to find somewhere in between seeing the full experience because DeAndre's race does matter. And DeAndre would, you know, we should see her as a black woman. Um, and we should see her as a woman who is caring for her aging mother-in-law and has a young daughter and has a husband who travels a lot and is lonely because she left her friends. And Rebecca similarly has a lot of these similar challenges. And that's where we can all come together, but really embracing the full identity of everybody um, and not having to ignore anyone's ethnic or religious or racial background, but to really see the whole picture and understand that people aren't only that. Yeah. And that goes the same for DeAndrea. And the way that she sees Rebecca. So one of the things, as you know, from the book is that uh, DeAndrea has her own um, sort of fears and concerns and mistrust of white women. Um, so much so that, you know, it's a reoccurring theme in therapy. And so as a result, you know, her therapist is like, look, you have relocated to this town. I know it's predominantly white. This is where you are. You're going to have to make a friend and DeAndre's like uh, like a white friend like what <laughs> you know what I mean and so you get to see sort of these two parallel narratives in that way right almost like Rebecca you know only seeing DeAndre as this, this as this black woman who can fulfill this purpose right like what screams I'm not racist more than I have a black friend right and you have DeAndrea's reluctance of like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm gonna have to be friends with one of these Beckys, right? Like my therapist is insane to think this is even a, even possible. And, you know, this intersection of their lives are their children who uh, are just like, this is my person. You know what I mean? Like we're mm -hmm. dressed alike on the first day of school. We have so much fun together. And I think so oftentimes it is through our children where we're forced to confront some of our own prejudices and biases and like, and, you know, harm that we've internalized, things that we haven't healed, right? And so we show a lot of that through the characters too, because, you know, to Catherine's point, I do think 
that we have to explore the reasons behind the why, right? Like your children are not color obsessed, right? Because that's not something that you instilled in right. in in their lives, right? Mm. And that's a beautiful thing. However, there are, you know, children whose parents grew up saying offhanded things. There are, um, you know, and, and I'm speaking from, from white children's perspective with that example, but in the same vein, there are Black children who grew up having their own experiences or having their parents tell them, you have to be careful, you have to, you know, and so they grow up. It's sort of like this internalized cultural fear. And sometimes based on the experiences that people have had, that experience feels justified, right? And what we're trying to get people to understand in the same way that none of us want our communities and, and you know, our, our identities uh, we don't want to be considered as a monolith, right? Like DeAndrea has to move beyond her own childhood experiences and allow Nina to have her experiences. You know, she has to move beyond the, you know, Becky's that harmed her in the past and understand that Rebecca is this new woman in town. And look, man, we're going to have to, we're going to have to be in community together because our kids are not going to have it any other way, right? And what does that look like what does that feel like? And to show those those bumps along the way and how to navigate them, that's that's what Catherine and I really tried to show with this novel. Well, you did. You did a, a beautiful job. <laughs> you Thank did. you. I will be definitely recommending this book to our patrons. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that one. Thank you so much. Really great. So you guys going on book tour? Have you started already or? Yeah. yeah, we um we had a launch event last week in DC at the DC Public Library. Um, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> um, beautiful. Yeah, Gloria Edom from Black uh, Well Read Black Girl um moderated and um we had a really great discussion that night and it our favorite part was that people had pre-purchased the book, you know, um before they got there and we had signed copies in advance and things like that. And then after the talk ended, people were going and buying more books um, saying, oh, can you sign this one? This is for my sister. This one's for my mom. This is makes a great present for the holidays. Yes, exactly. Yes, so does. we were glad that, you know, they were inspired by the discussion too, that we want people to not only read the book, but we want them talking about it and reading it in community. I mean, that's the spirit of all of this. So that was okay. great. We were in New York this past weekend and we're going to Philly. Uh, where were you in New York? In At the, the lip bar. Yeah, the Black-owned bookstore in the Bronx. And Very nice. we had a wonderful uh, conversation. And I think what's so beautiful is that in all of these venues, right, like you're seeing these communities that are basically our target audiences coming together to have um, this discussion. And so, you know, we may have readers that are like, wow, I didn't even know there was a Black bookstore in the Bronx. This is amazing, right? Um, and so, yeah, it's just been wonderful. And we're going to take a little break for the holidays and right. then we will be everywhere <laughs> uh in January on the on the out west and uh you know really just having a great time and so definitely check out our social media pages our websites for all our tour stops and um yeah we're just excited excited to be in in, in community and conversation with so many wonderful readers that's so wonderful so amazon has your book is one of the best books for December. So that I must know. have been exciting Woo-hoo! when you saw that. Was that. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's the very first book when you get on that page. And 
The cover is fabulous. I mean, thank um, you. We're audio, so I'm sorry, everybody, you can't see it. So <laughs> you'll have to come into the library to check out the cover. But I love the cover, the colors, and the two women. It's it's a wonderful cover with the white picket fence. <laughs> love the cover. It's a great cover. Thank you so much. I'm also an audio book person. I love listening. So unfortunately, I didn't have the audio book, but there was a little snippet on Overdrive. So I listened to that and it was very well done. So did yeah. you guys have a hand in picking your... We did. Yeah. We're really excited. We really wanted to also have two narrators. Sure. Um, it needed uh, to have two narrators. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. The women have such different voices. You know, we mm -hmm. really love that. So yeah, we I, we loved who they chose and um, it just it's really exciting to hear it come to life in that way. Yeah, it's it's great. What do you think? You think it'll be made into a movie? <laughs> I feel like we keep getting asked this question and it's the universe saying, yes, it's going to be a TV show. It's going to be a yes. movie. I mean, we would, we would love that. Right. I mean, one a of mini the series, things. I think it should be a mini series. I do too. <laughs> I do too. You know, we really, and even after to... the book ends, I think you can keep going on. I mean, there's, we can, you know, just to see where their lives go. I don't think it has to end at this. And there's it so many other it. great, characters yes. in the community that we just would yes. love to bring the rest of them to you know it doesn't have to be just a black and white you have yeah other you have brown you have asian you have everybody in there yeah you had yeah. a jewish person though did you no one who has uh person. declared that they're jewish no we haven't oh, talked okay there was no real religion <laughs> talk so. yeah and yeah. and and that was also intentional we we okay there were already so many identities layered within um the narrative and just to add religion and just further complicate like we didn't want we didn't want that to become take center stage from right. you know this what we were trying to do here um and i think the beautiful thing as catherine said is you know no one declared what they were right and that mm -hmm. allows readers to really see themselves right like we want them to have a little cognitive dissonance but not <laughs> not too much right because we want them to be able to explore these narratives and see themselves in these characters see their friends see their family members right and so um yeah we hope we hope we did that and you know if we are fortunate enough to you know have this become a mini series or you know a movie right i think the beautiful thing is we can really explore the backgrounds of these characters so that folks understand how we are shaped and how our lived experiences play such a real role um, in our perception of the world and how we have to be very intentional right about challenging that and and, and changing that right. and but one thing i'd add to that is that what we hope as we get to be in conversation more with people then as we get further into january and february with with our book tour and talks is that we hope to be in conversation with people who then have read the book. Um, and so that when, when people say like, well, what about, you know, was anyone in the book, you know, this religion or this background or this, then instead of saying like, yeah, we don't have that book, which is true. What I love to hear from and what we want to hear from readers is how would that add to the conversation, right? Like mm -hmm. how added, you know, being Jewish to someone's experience, like what would that, like, what would you say about that? You know, and that's the the beauty of where these conversations can go um, mm -hmm. is that it becomes less and less about what's actually, you know, on the page, which is important. Yep. Of course, we spend a lot of time making that. <laughs> but then but then where do where do the communities that we're in, where the readers want to take it? Um, and, and how can we continue adding to the conversation? It becomes like a like a catalyst for ongoing mm -hmm. dialogue. Yeah. So yeah. that would be in a book discussion after everybody's read. The yeah. Book. 
Okay. Count me in if you do it. I would love yes, to be in, yes. in on that discussion. <laughs> so who do you think should play DeAndrea? Who who would you pick? What what, what fabulous uh actor so many amazing there. black actresses. I, know, I mean Carrie Washington, Gabrielle Union. I mean, like just there 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 are so many and and I think um so many black women will be able to see themselves in DeAndrea mm -hmm. and in her friends, right? And um, I, I can just think of so many folks who'd be able to to, to bring DeAndrea to life. <laughs> and Malik, who would play Malik? Oh, I mean, <laughs> you know, I imagine Claire Malik, Underwood. Pretty, I imagine Dick. Malik to be pretty, pretty hot. Yeah, Mercy Diggs, maybe. Yeah, you know, like there's some hotties out there. I expect yeah. him being hot. You know, all the all the white moms are salivating over him. Yes, at the, absolutely. <laughs> the playground. And what about Rebecca? Who do you think could play Rebecca's part? Yeah, I mean, I I, I had for a while in my head um, Blake Lively, mm -hmm. um, which I think will be fun. Um, yeah, and then her husband Todd. I had uh, this actor who I wasn't familiar with before, but he, Luke McFarlane. He was in um, this really great Apple TV series okay. um, uh, that I just with Rose Byrne and um, Seth Rogen, and I just he was a, played a great <laughs> husband. Anyway, he was, he was wonderful. So I, I had that. Those are the two people after a while that I just had in my head of who would be playing. Okay. <laughs> I think that sounds great. Okay, um, are you guys working on anything else right now? No, it has no. been such a whirlwind year. I think that um, we are just in full on Rebecca, not Becky mode. We're going <laughs> to take a nice little pause over the holidays uh, just to sort of rest and recharge and get and get ready to get back on the road in January. Um, like Catherine said, by then so many people will have read the book. And so, you know, being able to just be fully present and engage in these conversations, it, it does require a lot of uh, mental uh, and emotional energy. And so I know we want to be well rested and just really prepared and excited for those conversations. So I know I'm taking it easy. What about you, Catherine? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got some things, but you know, nothing that's ready for prime time yet. <laughs> okay. Well, I thank the two of you so very much. It was so nice speaking with you. And thank you for writing such a fabulous book. Thank you. Thank Thanks. You. Let us know Thank when you, you so when uh, you finish, and we'll keep in touch. <laughs> yeah, it's fabulous. It's just so great. So I want to close this chapter of turning the page. Thank you both so much for being here. Happy holidays and good luck with the book tour. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I look forward to something else that you guys do together. That would be just fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Me Take too. care. Thank you. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.